Fun, baby. What's up, Julie? What's up? <laughs> I'm going to give you the most perfect softball setup to our um, <laughs> beginning news coverage of the week. <clears throat> Are you ready? I'm ready. On this date, this week in 1982, <clears throat> Ozzy Osbourne and Sharon, his stage manager, got married in Hawaii. Train. Are they still married? I feel like they got separated not long ago. I don't know. But Liz, can you imagine what kind of party that wedding was? And I watched. I I think there's a documentary. I saw a documentary about Sharon Osbourne or someone who was in the band and there was like a helicopter crash and the guy died. And I think that's who she was dating at the time. It's very like tragic, but then she ended up with Ozzy, but yeah, that's, that's a party. Didn't, I mean, have you ever seen Ozzy in concert? I believe that I have. I have also seen Ozzy in concert and I was young, but he just seemed so old. It was weird. Anyway, drugs will do that. Drugs not, will, will age a person. It <laughs> certainly isn't the party at the level of what's going on in the West Wing. <laughs> Let's just say that. Because maybe, um, maybe Ozzy and Sharon can um, renew their vows. And Hunter Biden can be like their civil minister. They could do it at the White House, too. They're like, we're going to renew our vows in the West Wing. Since that's where it's like fucking Studio 54. (laughs) Uh, Wow. So is anybody with an earshot of this podcast listening now shocked to learn that cocaine was discovered in the White House? Were you, Julie, were you shocked? Shocked, I tell you. Absolutely shocked. It was shocking. So the big story... One of the big stories this week is that cocaine was discovered by the Secret Service, although the story is kind of sketchy, was discovered. Can I just interject? There is zero chance we are being told anything remotely truth, close to the truth about the discovery of this. So correct. (laughs) Correct. Very sketchy details. Um. But the story is from our friends at CBS, and I think the Washington Post also reported this, that the Secret Service found cocaine in the West Wing, but in the entrance where people leave their phones when they go on tour, like there's cubbies that I don't remember seeing. I've been to the West Wing more than once. I do not remember seeing these, but okay, fine. Maybe I just don't remember. And people who get tours, like, leave their stuff there 
um, and their phones, because I guess you're not supposed to be recording in the White House. So I just want to say that there is zero chance that a visitor to the West Wing brought cocaine with them. Like, that makes no sense. Also, it is not easy to get a West Wing tour. Okay, you can get a White House tour. It's not easy to get those either. But to actually get a tour in the West Wing is not easy and it's kind of special. From what I've been able to learn, they're only conducted by staffers. Like it's it's kind of like a special privilege. So it's not just that you're taking a vacation to D.C. and you're like, oh, I want to see the West Wing. I'm going to, you know, just get this. A staffer takes you around and I've been through that entrance and they do check you out. You And that is not the first security mechanism you go through. There's several, a couple more. And the West Wing is attached to the actual residence of the president. And then across the street is the old um, executive office building, which is where a lot of the offices are. But the most important offices and also the press room is in the West Wing. So the West Wing is also where the Oval Office is. And that's where the super important people are. So the idea that you are people are taking tours in the middle of the work, you know, when work is going on, it, it, this not that's not it. From information I've been able to find that these are things that happen like in the evening with a staffer or on the weekend, on Saturdays, not on Sundays, um, but not holidays. So I'm sorry, but this is almost certainly from Hunter. I mean, how it's just laughable how they're trying to put this out. Like there's some rando that brought Coke into the West Wing and Liz, people are supposed to buy it. We're never going to know. Politico told us and AP we're never going to know. We'll just, we just won't know who did it. It's, it's Oh, I'm going to know. And then didn't uh, Karine Jean-Pierre address this during her press conference on, um, on July 5th. Uh, I think she also stated that, you know, it just could have been some, to your point, a joke, some visitor, you know, it was maybe a, just some interloper who happened to get in, in the white house and just dr- drop a bag somewhere. Who would take cocaine and try to get cocaine into the, into the West wing? Like I, I, as a visitor, because that, again, those tours are hard to get. They have to be made in advance. And I think you have to have a relationship with a staffer who's willing to like take you around. You aren't just the average person. There's no form to fill out to get a special West wing tour. I don't think, I think it's all kind of like, you know, someone who's going to give you a tour. So whoever did that was known by the staffers. Now, do I think the other people that work in the West Wing, the Biden staffers, um, are coked up? Probably. I mean, also not surprised. But Hunter is, I mean, it's just crazy that for the first time in American history that they happen to find cocaine in the West Wing when when the president's cocaine addled addict son is basically hiding out in the West Wing and in the White House to avoid being served process by his baby mama. You right. know what I mean? Like Correct. what who, who Good thought point. those 
that would have happened. Because that's what Hunter's in the White House all the time because that's how he avoids being served for whatever. I don't know if they've maybe they've um I think they finally settled that. something, right? I think they finally settled on child support payments of around $20,000 a month, I think, because sure, Hunter has a legit business. So who, of course he can afford 20 grand a month to pay, but still not acknowledging, um, the Biden family does not acknowledge this little girl, four-year-old girl's existence and so will not so cute will not permit her to take the biden family last name which i think is a win who would want to be tied to this degenerate crime family well i'll tell you why don't you just change your last name to soprano like that's actually probably more admirable well because tony soprano's (laughs) illegitimate children aren't getting large chunks of money wired into their bank accounts from china like the other biden family members are so don't be so quick to I'm think sorry. that was super that judgy so judgy there is a benefit to using that last name and that would be to help launder the biden family's money um their corrupt money um yeah the the new york times had a, i think it was in times right had a big piece about hunter's poor illegitimate child and his mother who are completely ignored by our family man, Lunchbox Joe from uh, Delaware. Uh, they don't even acknowledge that the, the child. And really, it's not the child's fault. You know, it's just gross. It's gross because this little girl, based on the story, is so proud of her grandfather. Sadly, she's too young to know. Um but she's so proud that her grandfather is the president of the United States. I mean, you know how kids are. And to not have them acknowledge her in it's just and claim he's a family man and then put up like Christmas stockings with their dog's name on it, but not like the one who bites people. Maybe that one or I don't know if they, they probably got rid of him. But just to pretend that this little girl doesn't exist it is sad. But on the other hand, it's much better for her not to be raised by a father like Hunter Biden. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe she's winning. Um, and there was some some juicy little video clips that have been circulating of Hunter Biden with his is that his wife now and other children? I think he's got oh, does his, he have a wife now? Is that the wife or another girlfriend? Is it Bo's wife? Is that the the Bo, No Bo's widow, they broke up a okay. while ago. Um, but of course, she was part of the um, money laundering machine, I believe. Uh, Biden family money laundering machine. No, he's got a new gal, new ish. I think they've got a kid too. And so there's video circulating of them on one of the balconies on July 4th. Hunter looks, uh, I'm going to say, str- he, he looks a little anxious, Liz. I'm going to say he looks a little anxious. <laughs> He's for- like wired, Julie. Would you describe little, him as wired? A little wired for a 4th of July party. You know, was not chilling out. So he's kind of with whoever, the baby mama, couple kids, I don't know who they belong to. He probably doesn't either. And then he's kind of like rubs his hair. He's kind of looks sweaty. And some on social media are speculating as he turned around, he took, what's it called? A bump? A bump, yeah. A Coke bump? I heard, so I hear. 
Till I hear. But the giveaway is Dr. Jill's face. She is staring at Joe Biden, who's God knows what he's staring off into space with that goofy, um, <laughs> scary Jim Carrey face from that movie. And um, <clears throat> he's just like staring off with the, that weird smile. And she kind of gives him a look and like nods back to Hunter like, oh, boy, he's doing Hunter things. And he kind of walks just, off. It's so gross the way that they had him on the balcony. Like, they, they're they parading him around. They're they flaunting like, him. Hey, like, hey, we don't yeah. care. Like, we're, and you guys can't do anything to us. Too bad. Yeah. Like, this guy has just gotten a, a deal that no Amer- other American would ever get. You can just ask any number of rappers who are in prison for tax evasion and gun people in and jail gun for gun crimes. charges. Mm-hmm. that nobody would get the deal. Hunter just got a crazy deal. Nobody thinks it's, you know, fair. And there's all of these rumors surrounding his foreign, his weird business dealings that nobody knows what his business is. And he is just hanging out on the balcony. Like he's in, it's normal and they don't even hide him. They don't say, Hey Hunter, why don't you, like hang out by the cupcakes or the barbecue area or whatever they did at the, who knows what they do um, at their 4th of July parties. They hate America. So it's, you know, kind of hard to imagine them doing traditional uh, 4th of July celebrations, but you know, they say, why don't you not come on the balcony? Cause you're a bit of a lightning rod, but no, he's out there. And yep. he did make a suspicious gesture with his finger that resembles what one looks like after they have snorted some cocaine so um you know not not looking good but again it's so in your face it's like really smearing your face in it you know like look at this haha look what we can do and there's nothing you can do about it uh the whole thing was really disgusting and there was a picture going around on twitter of it was actually a nice shot if you didn't understand what you were looking at of like it, the lights were down. It was evening and Joe Biden was just kind of sitting on the stairs and people were like, look, he has the weight of the world. All the lefties always oh, the weight of the world oh on him. You know, God. he's he's got so much pressure. And I just tweeted back. He's probably lost. He probably doesn't know where he is. He's not he's not thinking about critical international problems or the wars he started he's probably lost or maybe he just has gas or indigestion or something (laughs) we don't know but the last thing i think he's doing is you know mulling over the problems of the world so yes i hope everybody had a great fourth of july we know hunter seemed to uh for sure and i'm sure that we'll or maybe not. We might learn who is responsible for the cocaine in the in the White House. And you know that everybody who does go into the White the, goes into the grounds of the White House is there's a record of that. And then there's another record of anyone who goes into the West Wing. There's records of this. You right. cannot just pop in. There's a desk right there, <laughs> and you need to sign in and give your name. And in order to even get onto the grounds, you need a background check. So. 
they know everybody that was there on Saturday, which I think is odd because it is a holiday weekend. And I think it's even weirder that a staffer would be like, sure, on a holiday weekend, I'm going to show I'm going to give tours. That's kind of unusual, but not not impossible. So that's the big story. Well, we do know one uh, entity that's not particularly interested in finding out the source who had the cocaine. And of course, that's the news media. They're going to do whatever they possibly can to bury this. They're going to mimic whatever talking points come out of the White House um, because they certainly don't want to give any more fuel to the burning dumpster dumpster fire that is Hunter Biden and uh, the Biden crime family as House Republicans, especially Jim Comer, chairman of the House Oversight Committee, continues to dig in to making all the connections between um, not just Hunter Biden and foreign some hostile nations getting millions of dollars, but also Joe Biden benefiting from that while he was vice president, not out of office during his uh, vice presidency. And Jim Comer is now warning that they will be releasing more bank records, other things that the media is happy to ignore or spin away is irrelevant. Um, But there have been some interesting developments in the Hunter Biden, quote unquote, investigation as well, Liz. So we could talk a little bit about that. And that is this controversy between U.S. Attorney David Weiss out of Delaware, who's handled this investigation since 2018, um, and whether or not this was a thorough, legitimate investigation as whistleblowers are coming forward, including the IRS, um, the the supervising agent for the IRS, uh, Gary Shapley, who very courageously has testified to the House Ways and Means Committee giving evidence of um, how DOJ uh, buried the various crimes, tax evasion, failing to file, um, failing to, to document income. This included in 2014 when it started Hunter Biden's income from Burisma as a quote unquote board member, because of course, who doesn't hire a junkie? To run your business. Speak the language and has no energy expertise to sit on your board for 83 grand a month. So he failed to report that. So at any rate, Liz, this is getting uh, getting interesting and very controversial as to who's not telling the truth. David Weiss, the U.S. attorney, attorney general Merrick Garland could be all of them. Former attorney general Bill Barr, who claimed that he gave David Weiss's office that FBI document from a confidential human source, also known as an informant, that said uh, he had proof that the Bidens had accepted $10 million in bribes from uh, the the owner of Burisma. So lots happening there. What are your thoughts? Well, I think that the Treasury reports, excuse me, the Treasury reports are from I think 2017, where the Treasury Department had noticed suspicious activity, um, deposits, wires from foreign entities. Um, So this has been somehow not progressing for a suspiciously long time against Hunter Biden. And then we got an excuse like, well, it's we can't do anything because it's close to the election. Remember, I think they were saying, um, 
I think the 30 days or 60 days before the election, they don't announce criminal charges against a candidate or something. So, but again, back to my my point, this has, information has been in the hands of investigators for a very long time, not to ever come to fruition. And they're pretty it's pretty cut and dry. There's huge chunks of money from foreign entities going from foreign entities to Hunter Biden. That's You don't need a lot of interviews to get some answers on that. I mean, it doesn't take six years to do this. And the fact that he, it coincidentally like wrapped up really quick with basically a slap on the wrist and no jail time it all just looks so coordinated and suspicious. And uh, like I've said earlier, and every show, no regular American citizen would be allowed this, would be treated like this. They would be treated much, much worse, and they currently are being treated much, much worse. So I think that David Weiss is, I mean, it's, it's, it's he obviously felt like he couldn't conduct this case the way any other tax case would be conducted and i think that's what the and that's what the whistleblowers were were saying and also with their own knowledge of the way in which these investigations take place they had said they had never seen anything like it so we can keep i i mean i i'm happy comer is on the case and he is pushing to get more information. Unfortunately, I don't think anything it's going to matter other than bringing this to light. I don't there's no going to be no consequences for the government abusing all of the power that they have. It's very it's very unfortunate. So yes, keep the investigations going. Nothing surprises me. Yes, I think that they were never meant it was never set up to to be a real investigation, you know, like Benghazi, like the way Hillary Clinton was treated when she destroyed classified documents, she was ordered to retain, you know, all of these things were brushed under the rug. They just got a slap on the wrist or everybody got immunity in the case of Hillary Clinton. So literally there was no one to turn on because everybody was just immune from it. It's kind of a joke. Same thing here. The question is, and what Hunt, what the whistleblowers are saying is that um, the venue, so one would be in California where he lived, I, maybe it was before he became an artist, I'm not sure, but somewhere I know he was like tearing up parts of LA and getting kicked out. Really, you don't become <laughs> an artist. He was always permanent. an artist. He was I had the soul of an artist, of a tortured creator. Well, so, I think that just for, he was doing some of his human trafficking, bringing in the <laughs> That's art. That's along art, too. With art. Right. I mean, maybe they were doing, maybe he was doing, like, nude paintings of Russian hookers. I don't know. I think he was drawing little shapes on the asses of the hookers. He was snorting the coke off, like he drew a, the cocaine in a little shape or something, and then he would, like, snort it off. So he was always an artist, Julie. That's my yes, story. Yes, I'm sorry. He, he is. <laughs> Just an artist trapped in a um, Ukrainian energy board member's body. Um, but 
what's interesting and relates to what's happening at DOJ right now is that one of the U.S. attorneys who apparently declined to consider charges against Hunter Biden for his tax crimes in 2014 and 2015, which would have occurred in Washington, D.C., the prosecutor alleged reportedly who declined to prosecute Hunter Biden is none other than Matthew Graves, the Biden appointed U.S. attorney for the District of Columbia who is handling every single January 6th criminal case, continues to charge new uh, January 6th protesters, i.e. Trump supporters, Trump voters, for even minimal conduct related to the four-hour protest that now is two and a half years ago, Liz. So at the same time that Matthew Graves is rounding up, you know, Indiana Mimas and Capitol uh, sightseers who took selfies in the rotunda and left after 10 minutes, He is the guy who buried um, this report, apparently, according to the whistleblower, 90-page report prepared by the DOJ's tax division that outlined all of Hunter Biden's tax crimes from 2014 through 2019. Matthew Graves, who would have control over, you know, the venue, um, declined to uh, prosecute him. So now House Republicans, including Comer, House Judiciary uh, Committee Chairman Jim Jordan and Chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, excuse me, want to hear from Matthew Graves, also want to hear from David Weiss. Now, I have a piece up, Liz. Um, What's also interesting about Matthew Graves is the political activism of his wife, Fatima Goss Graves, who is head of a roughly $100 million nonprofit called the National um, Women's Law Center heavily funded by the left, all of the usual foundations, you know, Packard Foundation, Ford Foundation, et cetera. And um, what I uncovered is that Matthew Graves' wife has been at the White House at least 28 times in the past two years, attending high-level events where Joe Biden, Jill Biden, Kamala Harris are present, meeting with top administration officials, attending big soirees, star-studded events like the Elton John concert. <laughs> Remember the Jim Ta- James Taylor concert he oh, gave? <laughs> I don't want to remember the, that. When the Inflation Reduction Act was signed, that seemed like a hell of a party. Um, <clears throat> so she is being rewarded with very gratuitous White House access while at the same time, Her husband is prosecuting Trump supporters and bearing investigation into Hunter Biden. So that's the little power power couple behind the Biden uh, Biden machine. That's that's so swampy. I mean, that's kind of what the swamp the definition of the swamp is, how everybody's so interrelated in in the uniparty, in the the government apparatus. I I noticed that the people who have been um, complaining and doing this news circuit about how we need to examine this, the, the special, the influence on Supreme Court justices based on the gifts that they've been getting and trips they've been taking, do not <clears throat> seem to care about this particular questionable association the same way they do about um, you know, what Clarence Thomas does when he goes on vacation in his RV every summer. So, uh, again, typical institutional D.C. swampy behavior. 
it's he should have recused himself. And it's a good question to ask, like, is he being rewarded by people giving donations to his wife's nonprofit? You know, hundred million dollars is a lot of money. What what does she do? Like, what do you say you do here? What what do you say you do here, Peter? Um, <clears throat> so Fatima Cosgraves is a far left. I mean, she is super radical. Abortion on demand, transgender rights, universal okay. income, you know, universal health care, you know, just like your typical D.C. Marxist. That's basically what she is. But she's also very prolific. She's often interviewed on MSNBC, CNN. She wrote an article after the 2020 election accusing white women who voted for Donald Trump of being racist mm-hmm. because, of course, of we course. are. Sure. Why not? Yeah. Um, so so her money. So, yes, this is uh, Mina Harris, <clears throat> Kamala Harris's niece, is on the board of Fatima Goss Graves's organization. But right is that now, the model, the one who's a model. Is that? No, her? that's OK. The, daughter that's the stepdaughter okay and I say daughter it I mean we shouldn't we shouldn't assume gender with her that's right they rude rude z z z her zer zer (laughs) um so Fatima Goss Graves, it seems like, is very tied to the Harris family. Also, Matthew Graves, before he was appointed by Joe Biden as D.C. U.S. attorney, was at the same law firm as the second gentleman, first gentleman, second gentleman. I think it's the second gentleman. Gentle person. I feel like we should also. Gentle Zim. (laughs) I don't know. That's tough, Julie. They were at the same law firm together. So it's not really a swamp. I call it a trailer park because it's like these people are also in bed together and they're like quasi related. It's gross. Anyway, um, (laughs) but Fatima Gossgraves is leading this very big, broad coalition to oust Clarence Thomas from the Supreme Court. So her organization, her activism and her she's using her influence. So she's participated in at least one event demanding that Clarence Thomas resign. Um, And she's helping to promote, you know, all of the fabricated ethics issues for both Thomas and other conservative members of the Supreme Court. So that's what she's doing. Um, And she like I said, she's been at the White House now at least 28 times. Uh, she even attended the two-year, quote-unquote, anniversary commemoration of January 6th. So she was when um, Joe Biden gave out more medals because Michael Fanone cannot get enough medals for his heroic crisis acting on January 6th, 2021. So we got another medal. And Fatima Graves, whose husband is not just prosecuting the January 6th defense, but also has used these same people, Michael Fanone, Harry Dunn, Aquilina Gonell, the celebrity cops, I call them from January 6th, using them also in, say, sentencing hearings, allowing these cops to give, yes, victim impact statements. So, and she's sitting in the audience. Like, the conflicts are all over the place. Yeah. Well, certainly, I like to, whenever I hear the um, Democrats 
or the progressive left kind of attack a certain Republican for something, I or or I wonder or reversal when a Democrat does something and we're the crazy people for being upset about it. I like to play a game called what if it were Don Jr.? You know, what if this were the Trump Trump administration and there was this exact situation going on? Because this would be treated very, very differently. I mean, just going back to the cocaine issue, if it were if, if this was under the Trump administration, the media would be demanding immediate drug tests of everyone and the proof would have to be published, you know. But it's in this case, it's just being glossed over. So here again, you have this really unholy alliance at the most charitable description is that it has the appearance of impropriety. But the more likely scenario is that is that this prosecutor's wife is is engaging in activism against the prosecutor's boss's political enemies. So, you know, which is really the definition of corruption it, it it's just more of the same where the government is using its power to punish the regime's political opponents right that's what the january 6 people are i mean it's 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 almost silly to say it's a january 6 thing and not up punishing the trump you know trump supporters and opponents of the administration, because that's it, it's just po- as you called it yourself, political prosecution. So this is very sketchy. I mean, it's very, very sketchy looking. But again, like Hunter Biden looking like he's snorting coke on the balcony of the White House on the 4th of July, they just don't care. It's not right. even hidden. It's nope. not even hidden. Hidden. It's it's thrown in our faces flaunted. because they know it's flaunted. They know at the end of the day, whether it's Matthew Graves, what he's doing, bearing the investigation, his wife getting, you know, an all access pass to the White House, uh, Hunter Biden taking a bump, you know, on the balcony with uh, the president of the United States and Dr. Jill standing right there in the media all over the place. There are never any consequences. However, Liz, there was a little silver lining this week in this notable unprecedented lawsuit that should be followed by every single Republican attorney general in the country to use their authority to sue the government and government agencies for violating the the constitutional rights of their constituents. And that is this landmark lawsuit that was filed um, last year by Eric Schmidt, who was then the attorney general of Missouri, now a U.S. senator, and Jeff Landry, the attorney general for Louisiana. They filed this massive lawsuit against the Biden administration, the White House, and several officials and agencies for violating the 1A rights of their constituents by suppressing free speech related to especially covid um, vaccines, et cetera. Fortunately, this lawsuit was not filed in Washington, D.C. by some rubber stamp, non-thinking Ottoman for the regime in the D.C. District Court. Um, <clears throat> it was filed and landed on the docket of Judge Doty, D-O-U-G-H-T-Y, a Trump-appointed judge who is having zero tolerance for the Biden regime's excuses as to why certain people can't testify and suppressing information. This has been an explosive lawsuit, really unprecedented. 
<clears throat> has compelled the testimony of several officials, including Elvis Chan, who was the FBI supervisory agent out of the San Francisco FBI field office, who really was the conduit um, before the 2020 election between big tech and the government forcing big tech to suppress information about Hunter Biden and also, quote unquote, election disinformation, like concerns over mail-in ballots, et cetera, et cetera. So this has really blown open the administration. And now there was a very significant ruling that came down this week, um, basically preventing top officials, like top, top officials in the White House uh, from communicating uh, with big tech on a number of issues. Yeah, this is <clears throat> this is fantastic. Really, this is the way this is the way to fight back against this, which is for these individual states to sue the government in their venue, not in the D.C. venue, in their venue for violating the civil rights of their residents. And that is exactly what happened here. I just want to point out a really funny part of the New York Times article. The New York Times, of course, very upset by this, um, wrote about this decision. And they talk about the judge who, you know, they only say it's a Trump appointed judge, like, but they wouldn't, they just would say a judge if it were like a Clinton or Obama judge, right? right but Or a Biden judge, but right. a Trump judge, just like Reagan, like they always were like a Reagan appointee on the court. So of course, this is a Trump judge. And the, the New York Times gives an example um, of something that the judge, Terry Doughty, wrote where he they they I guess they think they're insulting him or making a point. And that point is that the judge had previously expressed little skepticism about debunked claims from vaccine skeptics. And their example is as follows. In one previous case, Judge Doughty accepted as fact, Julie, as fact. Oh, no, claim, this is going to be good. The claim that, and I quote, COVID-19 vaccines do not prevent the transmission of the disease. Now, that is a fact. <laughs> that's, um, paging that's Dr. Fauci, I think even he has said that finally. That is a literal fact, just like all of the facts that we learned in the Twitter files. Anybody who was paying attention to the Twitter files who have been exposed by journalists like Sh Michael Schellenberger, Barry Weiss, Matt Taby, these people have done God's work. They have exposed all yep. of the communications. It was an excessive, tremendous, almost constant direct communication between executive branch agencies and these social media companies, and in particular Twitter, because that's what they had when Elon took over. They had access to all of the communications. The government cannot regulate your speech, and they can't go to a private company and have a private company do it either. That's still a, it, that is still a violation of the First Amendment. And a lot of people on the left especially the progressives and the super nutters, not just the nutters, but like the super nutters. These folks do not believe in the First Amendment. They do not think that there is a right to free speech. Many of them really believe that hate speech is illegal, but there's no such thing as hate speech. It's either speech or it's not speech. 
but there's no such thing as hate speech. But these folks believe that hate speech, which also conveniently includes, you know, their bizarre body of political truths, which are lies, that that is the truth. And anything else anyone says is misinformation, malinformation, disinformation, and it should not be allowed in the public square. And so they have this relationship with Twitter, the DHS and all of these, uh, the CISA, which is the cybersecurity agency that is, you know, there for the cybersecurity of the U.S. There was constant communication, extensive lists of people who needed to be banned, unsubstantiated claims that these people were Russian, spreading Russian disinformation or Russians themselves, none of which had any evidence. So to me, this was a clear cut case. This wasn't, uh, you know, a hand wringing or I'm not sure. Oh, this is a gray error. Absolutely not. The government cannot tell a third party to do something and then claim, well, it's not us. It's Twitter or Facebook or YouTube or Instagram. Absolutely not. So and as it is, someone had mentioned, I saw someone say on Twitter that Facebook had already canceled their regular Wednesday meeting with the government or that was canceled. Like they have a regular, why is the government having regular meetings with Facebook? They obviously also have them with every other social media outlet. It's all very, very suspicious and it's inappropriate. It's totally inappropriate. I mean, we can only go back to remember COVID where somebody could not post on Twitter I just took the vaccine and I feel sick or I have a headache or I'm nauseous or as is probable, I'm having a heart attack. Um, You could not say that. You could not say that. And all of the conspiracy theorists back then are now have been shown to be true, true, truth tellers. And the doctors who fought against the government's propaganda have all really been vindicated in the public realm. So The government was very clearly trying to craft a narrative they wanted everybody to buy into on COVID. And it isn't just COVID. It's on fucking everything. It's not just the vaccine stuff. It's on, again, it had to do with the election, right? What they did with Hunter Biden's laptop. You know, you couldn't share it on Twitter. You also couldn't share it on any other social media platform either. You couldn't even private send it to someone. And that is because that's what the that is what the government that is from because the government didn't want it. And the government, of course, being the um, deep state sort of inter inter interagency extra constitutional bureaucracy that feels like it runs things, certainly because it was the Trump administration under technically it was under the Trump administration. This stuff happened. But a lot of these people are rogue agents and, you know, don't get permission or aren't under orders to use their power and authority to violate people's rights. They just do it on their own. So this is a great start. I don't see how, obviously this is going to be appealed and I don't see how the Supreme court doesn't uphold this because it's so cut, it's so cut and dry. It is really cut and dry. And to your point, Liz, I'll just, Chan, the supervising agent out of San Francisco, he admitted before the election that the FBI was conducting weekly meetings with the with their liaisons at these major tech companies, including Twitter, Facebook, I believe Google was involved, LinkedIn, 
The founder of LinkedIn, of course, is a huge lefty, um, very profligate donor to left-wing causes. So they were in constant communication. And it wasn't that they were, the big lie is that, well, we need the FBI and the government to help these companies enforce their policies related to misinformation, disinformation. No, that was not what was happening. The FBI was threatening these companies. This is what you will censor under the guise of misinformation or disinformation. And if you don't, we will pursue other legal avenues to do that. Jen Psaki made threats from the White House press briefing room that if these companies did not successfully start to censor and ban content about COVID, the origins of COVID, and especially the vaccines, that the White House would be looking at taking steps to do that for them. They weren't, I mean, again, back to the mob bosses. This is what they were doing. And I just wanted to read one little section. And the beauty of this is that the judge filed this temporary injunction on July 4th, um, which is great. So here's what the judge said. The plaintiffs, meaning the attorney generals here, are likely to succeed on the merits in establishing that the government has used its power to silence the opposition. Opposition to COVID-19 vaccines, opposition to COVID-19 masking and lockdowns, opposition to the lab leak theory, opposition to the validity of the 2020 election, opposition opposition to President Biden's policies, statements that the Hunter Biden laptop story was true, and opposition to policies of the government officials in power. All were suppressed. It is quite telling that each example or category of suppressed speech was conservative in nature. This targeted suppression of conservative ideas is a perfect example of viewpoint discrimination of political speech. American citizens have the right to engage in free debate about the significant issues affecting this country. So well said. He said, during this (laughs) COVID-19 pandemic, a period perhaps best characterized by widespread doubt and uncertainty, the United States government seems to have assumed a role similar to an Orwellian ministry of truth. This judge is not messing around. God bless him. I almost want to have a cigarette or like a line of Coke or something like after reading, (laughs) listening to something so glorious. But I think it's. It's easy to get kind of sucked into the specifics of the case where people are saying, oh, well, it's harming society. I mean, there's always a reason why someone's rights should be, you know, curtailed or violated. Oh, but it's for the good of society or, oh, people are going to get sick and spread COVID. But if you take a step back and ask yourself, what is what is disinformation? What is misinformation? And is it that dangerous that the public can't hear it? Because. I think back to like the 70s or 80s and my mom would take me to the grocery store and we'd be check out and I'd be like, oh, mom, get me the Gatorade gum or whatever. Right there in the checkout area or like the weekly world news with some crazy, outrageous, obviously insane story on the front of it. That was not true. Or at this point, it could have been true. I don't know. Now that I'm older, I'm like, well, you don't want to rule anything out. But you know, I had some really wacky, crazy story, you know, Cher is really an alien from another galaxy, some that level of craziness that was in print that was out there. So what is the misinformation or disinformation or malinformation that's so dangerous, you cannot say it out loud. 
And I can't think of an example of what that is, where you say, yes, you know what, we are going to have to silence you because that's so dangerous. But I, I can't think of anything what it is. I mean, there are limits to free speech in the sense of exhorting someone to like immediate violence. But if you want to tweet about how you think the moon is made of green cheese or that we never really went to the moon or that the earth is flat or you want to say, um, you know, there's all sorts of weird herbal remedies. People are hawking. Oh, take uh, tape out cider vinegar five times a day to grow your hair. <clears throat> this shit is all over the place. It's almost certainly not true, but that's not being put, censored for misinformation. So really, it's important to remember that even things that are lies things that you don't like, things that you know are false, that is, people are still allowed to say that out loud. They re, they are. And the government has no place in it. And it's even a bigger bonus that the people who were punished have actually been vindicated. I mean, they are vindicated. I mean, where's the push for the vaccine boosters? That kind of, I mean, we don't hear much about that anymore. I don't even think that they, you know, I see a little sign at the drugstore, but it's not like it was constantly pushed all the time. We don't see them talking about the death count of COVID, probably because the virus, as viruses do, per, you know, soar up and then kind of die out or go away. Um, all of these people have been vindicated and the ex and at the expense of who knows how many lives ruined, millions, tens of millions of people had their lives ruined or damaged in some way, whether it's from taking a vaccine that really hurt them, damaged them, mistreating COVID patients in hospitals by jamming respirators down their throat, because that's the only thing we knew how to do, whether it was forcing them to close their family business that was open for 50 years and you weren't allowed to question it, or dumping their kid in front of the, what did the, we used to call it in the old days, Julie, the idiot box, right? You put them in front of the idiot computer and now they're getting taught by some Zer Zim about how it's normal <laughs> to just cut your dick off or cut your tits off and be like, I'm a different gender. That right. is the consequence of all of this government censorship. And it's important to remember, especially in the on the COVID front, when we would hear someone, some asshole like Anthony Fauci saying, oh, we need to trust the science. We need to trust the science. Science is not a doctrine. Science is a method. And the right. way that we conduct a scientific method is through an iterative dialectical process. We come up with an idea. We test it. If it works, great. If not, we find something else. It is a process. It is always growing and changing. And the government, for its its reasons of control, shut that down and wouldn't allow people to question or come up with alternatives or I don't know, wake people up and say, hey, this is wrong that the government says you can't go to church or that the government says you can't park your car in the parking lot of a church. Well, your religious leader is far away from you in a microphone preaching about God. You can't even do that. So I'm so happy that this is such a win. And I'm I'm very confident that the Supreme Court is because this is going to it's being appealed it's, they're already appealing it. This That's is right. going to be upheld by the Supreme Court. And I cannot wait to read the opinions <laughs> because it's going to be glorious. It, it is. Yes. Yeah. So the uh, Biden regime immediately filed an appeal uh, on this injunction. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But um, it, it, 
I mean, obviously, this seems like, as the judge says, an easy will be an easy victory in court. This ever goes to trial. But in the meantime, what's coming out, not just in this lawsuit, but to your point, the Twitter files and what Michael Schellenberger and others have put together in terms of the collaboration. And I mean, we do have to say this predated Joe Biden being president. Yeah. I mean, in terms of COVID, this happened on uh, when Donald Trump was president. Uh, and so, you know, the CISA or was it CISA, C-I-S-A um, and, you know, CDC and all of the, you know, all of the organizations and agencies who were involved in this uh, national security agencies as well in terms of suppressing Hunter Biden information, laptop information. I mean, this this was happening in 2020. Um, but the COVID, most of the COVID, uh, quote unquote, disinformation happened, uh, you know, post under Biden 2021. Correct. Yeah. So we'll we'll be keeping an eye on that. But the the panic by the news media and the panic by people like Andrew Weissman, the little girly man who was um, the head of the Robert Mueller investigation and now does a lot of interviews on MSNBC. And for some reason, he talks like this. Miranda Devine called him a valley girl, which was perfect. Um, so they are in pure panic mode that this judge has the gall, has the backbone spine to call out these and these individual officials. I think there's about three dozen who will now be prevented from talking to big tech companies about suppressing political speech. So um, this is uh, very interesting. I do. I think this is a, a, such a critical issue and such a critical win because this is how the sort of permanent, as Lee Smith calls it, the permanent coup, like the permanent bureaucracy really runs the government. Because it isn't really related directly to who's in power, um, but you, but definitely this really amped up during Biden. Although the anti-lockdown stuff was under Trump, right? Because Trump was the one who was like, "Let 15 days to slow the spread." Um, so that that was kind of Trump for six or seven months. But then it really <laughs> kicked in. Uh, with Biden, where once we had the vaccine, which, of course, no one would take, it was poison when Trump did it. But then all of a sudden, when Biden became president, it was like an elixir of youth and healing. Right. The same thing, the exact same thing. Um, but this is how this permanent bureaucracy is attempting to shape your reality by controlling the it, what you see and controlling what you think is real, what you think people are saying or doing. People. I mean, we those of us who are on social media and I really do try to limit myself because I think it's a distraction and it's easy to get caught up in stupid shit going on on Twitter or any other social media platform. But really, you are entering a reality that has been curated and crafted according to the desires of a third party, usually the permanent bureaucracy in Washington, D.C. And this lawsuit really smashes that smashes that ability down. Now, do I think it's over? And let's say this goes to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court rules, you know, yes, upholds this judge's decision. They'll just find another way. I mean, they're not going to be like, OK, I guess we can't censor everyone's speech and ideas anymore. Of course not. <laughs> right. Of course. So they'll find another way. But this is just a really, a really big step. And it's critical because this is 2023. 
been six months, it's going to be 2024 and there's a presidential election. So right now we have primaries going on. I mean, can you just imagine what they were thinking of doing about RFK Jr.? The Democrats don't don't like um, RFK Jr. at all. I mean, he's polling pretty well for someone who um, is challenging an incumbent president who had more votes than anybody in the history of America vote for, you know, in presidency. So they are trying to affect both the Democrat primary and probably not so much the Republican primary as of yet. But but controlling the Democrat primary includes suppressing, hiding or um, I'm trying to think of the word for when they like they don't they suppress, I guess, suppress information about Hunter Biden and the Biden family, because it's a lot of Democrats will say, well, Hunter, Joe, it's so sad that Joe has a drug addict and that's sad. And don't, you know, don't, you know, don't that that's, you know, how many parents have a bad egg or whatever. Blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. It's not just about Hunter Biden. It's about the whole family's corruption. And so those are absolutely things that are being suppressed and um, misdirected. Well, the media is, of course, carrying the water for Biden, um, you know, so I hope I hope I hope that um, this continue. I mean, I hope that this really puts a blockade in the left's plans to control social media, which is just where so many people get their information nowadays, whether it's good or bad. <clears throat> right. Exactly. So. Interesting times, interesting court decisions. Of course, we still have the court proceedings in the classified documents case. Uh, the magistrate, magistrate judge, for some reason, is handling part of this. This was the same judge who signed off on the Mar-a-Lago raid. Um, he has allowed partial further redaction of that lengthy affidavit in search of the search in seeking the search warrant. Um, I don't think any big bombshells there. Most of that affidavit remains under seal and the judge, because he's invested in this is going to continue to help protect this bogus case against um, Donald Trump. And so we're waiting to see what the latest is. That trial, um, Judge Cannon, Aileen Cannon, also a very courageous judge, Trump-appointed judge, who had appointed a special master in this case last September. That was overturned on appeal. But she's going to be handling the bulk of this criminal case. And she set a very tight trial schedule wanting the trial to begin in August. And of course, DOJ came back with all sorts of excuses. They wanted to delay it until December. My guess is, Liz, though, there is reporting that Jack Smith, the special counsel, will seek what's called a superseding indictment, which will add charges and possibly add co-defendants. He also has, he already has one co-defendant, Walt Nauta, his so-called valet. So they're charged together with conspiracy Jack Smith could very possibly bring more bogus charges and more co-defendants, which will, again, delay the trial into 2024. Isn't that convenient, as they say? I think this is the Biden campaign strategy, right? I mean, their campaign strategy is to um, <clears throat> damage Donald Trump or tie him up. I don't think any of this is damage really damaging Donald Trump with his supporters. <clears throat> I think I think people, even people who are not inclined to vote for Trump, know that this is a witch hunt and almost drive them 
toward Trump <laughs> just because they know they they know what's happening. So I don't <clears throat> I don't think this will stop people from supporting Trump as much as they think it will. The question is, are they going to put him in jail? Like, are they going to arrest him and come up with some highfalutin legal mumbo jumbo that says, well, he has been criminally charged and so he can't run for president or he's been convicted and he can't run for president. You know what I'm saying? Like they, there, there has to be the bigger plan. I don't think it's just to sort of tie him down with a bunch of stuff where the media can consistently write headlines about how terrible Trump is and all the things he did. And, you know, that he took, I don't know, tchotchkes from the White House and they're in his boxes in the shower. Um, there's got to be something more going on here. But I think people are aware at this point, people know that this is absolutely ridiculous. So whether it's going to damage damage um, Trump electorally, I, I don't think it's going to work. I think the bigger problem is the election integrity issue that nobody really seems to have made any progress on. The same problems we had in 2020 are still the problems that we're going to have in 2024. So um, that's probably the bigger problem. But anyway, we are out of time. We are out of time. So can you believe it's been an hour? Sad, so sad, sad. Time flies. Goes, time flies when you're snorting lines of coke like hunter you know um so julie will we be here next week i think you are going away is that right i am i am um scheduled to check something off my bucket list which is attending wimbledon and i think right now it looks like we will have an opportunity to go to the men's semifinals next Ooh. friday well i read an interesting article today about Wimbledon, where Wimbledon made an announcement telling people who go that they should not have sex in the quiet room. So just okay. take that under advisement. I promise I won't unless I get propositioned by Matteo, Matteo Berlin. I always get his name right. <laughs> Bertolini. So you promise, um, but like. You have hall passes. Like, there's some exceptions. That's understandable. Baratini. All right. If Matteo Baratini propositions me, I I make no promises. All bets are off. Exactly. (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening. We will not be here next week, but we will be here in two weeks. So I know you're going to miss us. And I just want to say that we did have a request from one of our listeners to wrap white lines we are not going to do that just out of deference to Grandmaster Flash, that these two, like, 50-something <laughs> white ladies will not be wrapping white lines because nobody wants, nobody needs to hear that. It's a favor. Thank you. So have yes, a great you're week. You're welcome. And we will be back soon. Bye.